Welcome to Hustle, a podcast that explores the business and process of product design. It's an incredible feat to build a product that people will want, especially something that helps them in their daily life. But when you do have something special, what are the challenges of keeping its momentum? The thing about working on a product is that there is no handbook. What has worked for others before you may not necessarily work for your product. Envision is a product that FunSize uses every day, as well as thousands of other, other companies. In today's episode, we'll ask Clark Valberg, co-founder and CEO of Envision, about his journey as steering the wheel of the product. It's not like we're cussing up a huge storm. I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning up this podcast. Today. <laughs> this is going to be a no cuss, no negativity, no frown zone. Okay. That sounds good. We'll have a clean episode for once. Okay, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for joining. Uh, this is the Hustle Podcast. I am Rick Messer, product designer at FunSize. I'm with Anthony. I guess I'm the CEO. He's the CEO. <laughs> CEO of FunSize. FunSize is a product um, design company here, mobile product design company here in Austin, Texas, for those of you who are joining us for the first time. And today we have a very special guest. We have Clark uh, Valberg. He's the co-founder and CEO of Envision. Hello, Clark. Hey, I just want to know, is every guest that comes on a very special guest? Is that what you use to describe every guest? I think I've heard that so much, like in radio shows and on It's a TV. thing. That is the I, way you introduce like, a guest. I, I can't even imagine saying something other than we have a very no. special guest. And this guest. week, somewhat average guest. This week, guy our, who was available. Our top pick. What is your name, by the way, again? Remind us. Our, our top pick failed, but we got Clark instead. <laughs> we got Clark instead. <laughs> we um, we uh, actually, uh, as, I, as I recall, yesterday, or the last uh, podcast we had, I introduced the two guests as a st- strange person or this is an odd fellow or something like that. So I guess I have. <laughs> yeah, they, they a letter from his mom yeah. came <laughs> two minutes later. We, we were. Yeah, there were there are many letters. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, Clark, can you just uh, kind of introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell them who you are? Oh, sure. Uh, so my name is Clark, and I'm one of the co-founders of Envision. That's EnvisionApp.com, um, which is – I'm going to go into the whole product thing. But it's a product, and um, it's a platform for design, collaboration, communication, and prototyping, and all that all that good stuff that product designers need to do on a daily basis. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Um, so we were um, interested in asking you just a few questions about what it's like sort of running a product that has a lot of users and, you know, Envision seems to be doing well and we love it. We use it every every day at fun size. Um, but can you maybe give us a little bit of a background um, of Envision, like how and why did it why did it start? Why did you start it? Uh, sure. So Envision is the answer to kind of an evolutionary problem that we had at an agency that I ran before Envision. Uh, and that was how do you make prototyping uh, fulfill the promise of prototyping, right? So the reason we prototype is so that we can show things faster. We can be more open to feedback. We can be more reactive and responsive to feedback, right? And in that, if you just kind of picture it like a, as a circle, right? Mm. The circle of creation, presentation, gathering feedback, iteration, right? How do we make that? How do you optimize all the different dimensions and the, the kind of key performance indicators of that circle, right? So before Envision, uh, we built prototypes. We did uh, prototypes with front end code, wrote HTML, CSS, we used frameworks, and, and we did basically, you know, 
philosophically the same thing. We, we built the front end before we even thought about the back end. We showed it to clients. In that case, you know, we had, you know, all kinds of you know, institutions and different kinds of uh, complex structures of, of clientele uh, we're with multiple stakeholders at every level, all of whom, all of whom um, had something to say many of whom um, didn't know they had something to say that really needed to be engaged in some way. So let's call that user testing. So the testing and the, and the engagement and feedback process, all that needed to happen um, rapidly so that we could end up going into full production with a product that we knew wouldn't change too wildly, you know, once we had a whole bunch of backend code and like, you know, 20 deployed servers or something, right? So that that's the basic prototyping story. Why do we prototype? So... Yeah, so you, you you're basically that's helped you fa- like get get somewhere a lot faster um with with the tool that you're building in house at the at the company you're working at. Uh yeah, so so we were it was an agency, so we were doing work for like all these different clients, right? And the real problem was that the relationship with the clients was what you would expect from an agency, right? Without prototyping. With prototyping, Right. We were able to engage with those clients a lot more holistically. I mean, I'm saying like kind of really fluffy things. What do I really mean? What I mean is when you have three or four different people on the client side that all have feedback to give you, if you're an agency and your model is that you're building, writing a whole bunch of code and showing them stuff, right? You're probably avoiding those people at all costs, uh-huh. right? Because you know they're going to say something like, you know, it would be nice or mm-hmm. this is great. But, you know, yeah. and they're going to say all these things that are just going to like, you know, tear your heart out of your chest, you know, uh, Indiana Jones style. <laughs> so uh, so instead of doing that, we need to come up with a way to uh, make it OK that we were showing them things that weren't, quote unquote, real, uh-huh. but they could really see and really look at, you know, that looked like the finished version so that we can get the kind of finished version level of feedback that you get like usually like a day before you go live where someone tells you to change everything, right? Mm-hmm. How do you get that like on day five? Right. And then how do you on day six come back with some reaction to that feedback? It doesn't mean that you do exactly what they tell you to do. Sometimes you, you're always uh, invoking the power of interpretation. Coming back and saying, hey, you mean like this? What do you think about this? Or does this solve your right. problem? Or right. hey, let's sit some real users down and have them use this. Uh, and you keep doing that over and over again. We did that with front-end code. There was a point uh, – I forget what year it is. I don't know. Maybe like you know, take whatever Envision was founded and subtract like eight months or something where the complexity of the software we were building kind of shifted from the back end. So like all the stuff we were trying to avoid, like all you know, these objects and you know, crazy back end stuff and databases, like that complexity started to creep into the front end where the user experience because of the kind of demands of – kind of the, the modern form factor of software and what clients have seen in the world and what we've seen in the world and what we want to build, right? The complexity of the code crept into the front end. So now sure. we were running at the yeah. time like super complex like jQuery. And, and by the time we were showing them something, you know, that was built out of a page with super complex jQuery at the time, right. like we were still – you know, we were back to the point where we were avoiding them, you know, in the hallway, right? Because yeah. that's the person, you know, watch out for Joanne because she, you know, she always <laughs> throws a monkey in the, in the, or throws a wrench in the monkey. I don't know how that works. Monkey but wrench? There was a wrench. There was a, there was a wrench <laughs> and there a was a monkey somewhere. involved. <laughs> I was the monkey. So it was, it was no good and we had to come up with a better way. So uh, my business partner, uh, Ben and Adele, who's our CTO, uh, kind of had like a bit of, like an insight. He said, hey, what if we just took you know, designs or designs right out of Photoshop yep. and just wired them together. Yep. 
Um, and so, you know, because I'm, uh, well, I'm a, you know, a typical genius, forward thinking, futurist CEO, maverick, uh-huh. right? And so just your average run of the mill, I said, no, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were never doing that. <laughs> that's not going to work. And that won't load and internet speed won't be fast enough. And these things are going to be creeping down. He's like, no, I'll do caching. And finally, you know, I relented and, and, and let him have the better, better of the of the argument. And he did it. And he came back with some sort of, you know, crazy light MVP uh, that really worked. Um, and we put it to work for a client right away. Totally changed, you know, our life, you know, in the form of at least, you know, the client's relationship. We went from engaging four people to engaging 10 people in feedback. Um, We were, you know, hands on with them and the relationship was good. And there was, you know, bottles were popped and and people were happy. (laughs) And uh, we said, how do we take this and make this into a product? You know, how do we make this into something that other people can use? Because other people are facing facing the same problems. Yeah, um, that we're facing, and then you know, kind of the yada 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 envision. Right. So, I mean, your your product is born out of a necessity, and you sort of like, I wish this existed. So you guys built it, and it helped you out, and you sort of followed that, right? You didn't just say, you know what, I want to build a product, and I'm sure I'll find out what it is, and I'm going to quit my job and find out what it is. You sort of let uh, let it lead, let the need lead. No one was. (laughs) No one in our company was on enough opiates to (laughs) quit their job and look for a product (laughs) and wait for you know a a product vision quest, as we call it. Clark, Uh, I think uh, right around that time is probably when you and I met. I don't remember how we were introduced, but I remember having a conversation with you when I was running my last company about whether we could do design work together, our two like our two shops. And Mm. then uh, several weeks or several months later, you're like, "Hey, I have this thing." It's really cool. Like, will you will you check it out? And I, I think that was the first time that I saw Envision when it, I guess it was in an alpha or private beta. Oh, and you probably state. flattered me by telling me it was cool way before it was even halfway <laughs> to cool. Well, I think the I, I mean uh, what what you were describing earlier and kind of a piggyback off that one of the things that's that that's a real uh, improvement in communication. You know, because the typical way of like the big reveal, the big Don Draper thing. Here is the finished product. Right. Like, give me your feed your changes, right? And instead of doing that, you can really make stakeholders, whether they're clients, users, or colleagues, involved in the process from yeah. day one, like you they said. Can be like, a part hey, of it. Instead a of right. it's, about, it's about socializing the product design process, oh, right? Okay. You know, there's, the, there's us, right? Like the production side, there's the client, and then there are these little thin pipeways, these little pathways between us, right? In the form of these moments of engagement, the mm. first kickoff meeting and the you know six month check in depending on how epic your timetables are and your the check sizes are, right? Mm. But these little moments of engagement. So you know one of the initial kind of premises was how do we remove that? How do you flatten those humps of engagement and say, hey, this is the product. It's happening. It's happening. It's going to happen together, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and it's going to happen asynchronously, right? Instead of like these moments of engagement, like this thing is going to be out there. It lives here at this address. For you people who think think fast and on your feet and you're in a meeting and you can like shoot off five things that you want to see changed like right now, go nuts, right? We could do that right now in this meeting. For the people who don't, people who are usually way more thoughtful have a lot more interesting things to say but usually get overtalked at, at the meeting, right? Or because they just haven't collected thoughts yet. You can log in tonight or tomorrow or whenever. You can go and jump in here. You can yeah. leave your feedback then. Whenever it's convenient. Right? Yeah. And you can leave whenever feed- it's convenient. And you can leave feedback that 
is more useful and less subjective. Like when, when you can see it and play with it and touch it and it feels like a working product, you can give feedback that actually helps it get across the finish line instead of stuff that's going to yeah. pull it steps yeah. backwards, you know? I, I think meetings, by the way, do crazy things to people's brains and their feedback you know, models, right? Yeah. Like when you're in that meeting and it's like, I have 30 minutes to be a hero and get <laughs> feedback that makes me look like I'm not an idiot and I've been yeah. doing something, right? It's like you have people who are, really good at that who can just like start shooting off stuff because they're just they're smart or whatever right i think about being smart it's about being having thoughts that you already came in with right yeah and then you have like like everyone else let's call that like the 99 percent of all people who really need some time to at least think about it if not like you said play with it and if not like you said like ask somebody else mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and get some feedback from somebody else that they can interpret right okay so let me get to my next question i think that 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 we kind of cover what what Envision does, and uh, clearly, you know, we we like it and we like to use it. But um, w- one question to you uh, that I have, I honestly want to know the answer to this because Envision, you know, you guys have got a pretty good, um, how do you, you know, a social community on the web. You know, Twitter. If somebody you know says something about Envision, that you know, usually you guys respond really, really quickly and really well. And and I'm just curious. Um, you probably have a lot of feature requests all the time. Like, I wish you would do this. I wish you would do this. How do you choose? Are like, you about to give me a feature request right now? <laughs> this is that's totally inappropriate. This is. <laughs> this I'm just is wondering what, if you would do the one thing with <laughs> importing from faxes. Can I, can I get you to no. commit to this feature on <laughs> right now? No, no, no. Um, I'm just asking. How do you choose? Like, you have lot lots coming at you all the time. Uh, everybody at the product does, and. How do you make the choice? Is it like the most common feature requests get get sort of answered, or do you you know is there is there more to it than that? Uh, usually in the form of Bitcoin, whoever Bitcoins me the right <laughs> amount uh, gets a feature in. Uh, so I'll tell you, it's it's less democratic than you might think. I think that um, I think that that's the way things uh, should be for certain kinds of products, right? Mm-hmm. Our goal is to – I heard a famous statement, a famous quote at one point. It says, listen to everyone, make decisions alone, right? I, forget, I can't credit yeah. that properly. It's somebody, right? Yeah. So we, we have great channels that you know open up the, the floodgates to feedback. Everything gets separated into basically probably three piles, right? Loss of service, right? I think that's the tag we call it, right? Mm. There is some problem with this that I'm having an issue with. Let's call that bugs for lack of a better way to put it, right? But it's a little bit more expensive than bugs. It deals with, you know, speed issues and whatever, integration issues, you know, that are a little bit more than just bugs, right? Right. Loss of service, right? Then there's the, you know, refinement category. Like this would be great if only it would, right? So you're dealing with a feature that they wish worked in a different way or better way or – you know, some some enhancement to some existing thing, right? And then there's the I wish Envision did, right? And that's the totally greenfield, doesn't connect with any other feature in the app, a whole other thing, right? We have channels that collect all of those things, collect, you know, uh, catalog all of them, right, and get them in front of the right people. So all the the first category, all the bug stuff, go directly into engineering, and it's triaged and Hopefully, if there's some sort of bug in our app, somebody's working on it right now, right away, right? And we have actually an engineering team called our Quick Turn team that is like a collection of like four or five people or something mm-hmm. that just work on things like that and other small development projects that we think we can turn around really quickly that are less like initiative oriented, right? Mm-hmm. It's a Quick Turn team. Um, 
the refinement stuff go into the product team. And so the product team, which is, you know, AKA the design team, because all of our designers at Envision are product managers. We don't really have product managers per se. Oh, that's um, very interesting. Yeah. So, you know, we understand it's, we're building a product for designers, right? So it, it's, it's much harder, I think, to get a product manager who really deeply understands the vision for the product and how it's used, especially across the different market segments that we have, startups, agencies, and corporations, mm-hmm. and like really get that and understand the, the visceral components of that, um, both the aesthetic and the kind of practical and transactional. So the people who really get that are the designers, right? Because they live the product. They know the product intimately, right? Well, I, of course, agree with you being a designer. <laughs> Clark, um, I hate to ask another question within a question, but that's really interesting to me. Um, how do, do, is there a certain part, like, or certain features or that are, are product, you know, that a designer owns uh, and it's divided up or do they decide who's going to work on what and do they, are they able to rotate around? Like, mm. how do you keep your designers fresh or are they always focused on, like, one thing? Yeah. We just work them until they're pretty much stagnant, and then we just fire them. <laughs> no, uh, so, no, so the way it works is um, we have a, uh, a product meeting every day, like 1230 Eastern time. I don't know why that's relevant, but it's at a time every day. Right? That was my next question. All, what time is your uh, meeting? <laughs> <laughs> it's right at 1230 every day. Um, so it's a, it's a stand-up meeting mm-hmm. all the product people, you know, all the designers and, and we actually have a few little peripheral roles. We have a head of research, um, and you know, does a lot of the coordination of a lot of this stuff and in some of the deeper studies and, um, we all get in a call and so I'm actually on that call. So I actually lead product at Envision as well. It's, it's you know, and that's one of my main focuses here. Mm-hmm. We're on that call every day. We do like a round table kind of thing. Everybody shows off you know, what they're working on. Awesome. Right. And then, you know, we discuss it, we socialize it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we just go, you know, kind of sprint style to the next day. Right. And, and we make a lot of progress day to day. So wow. in terms of ownership, w- there's two kinds of ownership. There's project level ownership and there's thematic ownership. Um, so a designer could, uh, and could own any number of either of those categories. So a designer might own, for example, our enterprise product, right? Mm -hmm. There is a person who owns that product and they might own a few other things, but they're always thinking of ways to improve that product. They're collaborating with our head of research to pull in interesting data directly from customers and also kind of general kind of market, uh, you know, spidey sense, right? Uh, And so that data comes in and they're constantly working on evolving facets of that product all the time. And they're also connecting in with sales and the other stakeholders that have something to say about that. That person might also own, you know, some other thematic part of the app, let's say Sync, right? Which is this a different person owns Sync. But so somebody owns Sync and Sync includes, you know, Photoshop integration and our sketch integration and the desktop in Sync with Envision Sync, right? Mm-hmm. And they not only do they own that idea from a product design and kind of evolving the product design uh, part of that, but they also own it from the engineering resource part of that. I mean, we have, you know, engineering manager and VP and, and, and we have our CTO, but in terms of like being uh, on the ground with those engineers as they're working through those problems that fulfill the promises of the broader strategy of that category, mm-hmm. right? They're there the whole way through. So some designer owns an idea all the way from the initial inception, like if you and I right now, if we have an idea right now for Envision, right? Somebody will own that. Some designer will have that. And they will own that all the way through and to mark, you know, to production, to engineering, marketing, release, like those blog 
that we put out and the, you know, in-app notifications and the email blasts, right? All that stuff. Yeah. All the way to any future, any feedback, feedback that we get, you know, so right now somebody is focused a ton of their time on feedback that we're getting about our sketch integration, right? Or some of the stuff that we're working on with, uh, in collaboration with Slack or something, right? These are things and, uh, and somebody's working on them all the time and it's a designer that's at the helm all the time. So let me see if I understand you have, you have designers that sort of, uh, or, you know, product owners, individuals that own certain aspects of products. They, they own that part of the product or that product of the product. But then you, you said something about the thematic, um, a thematic role. What, what, what do you mean by that? By the thematic? Yeah. So thematic might be, for example, communication, right? That means everything in our app that deals with communication, an example would be uh, commenting, right? Uh, the places where com- you know, com- the email notifications for comments, the email digest, ah. the in-app notifications, right? right? So like that whole bundle, we're calling that the general theme of the communication facet or dimension of the app. Right. And there's kind of project oriented stuff. And then sometimes we have one off things that don't necessarily wrap up into some sort of general broad theme that persists over time. They're just like one off things like we need to just like, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so thematic is hook into this API or whatever it is. Right. Uh, being in charge of a theme, a th- you know, a thematic responsibility is almost like being in charge of a feature across all platforms. Sort of. Is that is that absolutely. OK. A- is, okay. Absolutely. And it's important because. If you want the 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 feature itself to be holistically uh-huh. considered, yeah, that's a good right? yeah, and and same. congruent of end to end, right? And also, if you want absolutely, and you want somebody to be developing deeper understanding, right? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of you know just kind of growing the IQ of this thing over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Clark, um, as the as the product and team has grown, how easy or difficult has it been for you to be able to go from sole product? owner, if you will, to letting these designers slash product managers own these, uh, components or themes, uh, over time. And, and, uh, and, and how are you looking about your, your future within the organization? Cause I know for me, it's, it, it was hard for me at first to let go, but I started to learn and how to do it. And there are certain things that I still don't want to let go of, but mm. I'm really curious to like, if you could share a little bit of that. Any, um, I hate to use the word, oh man, I don't want to use the word leader. I need a different, another word. Any main dude, main dude, (laughs) um, you know, worth, uh, his or her salt, right? Is that like, are people using that phrase anymore? Right. Anybody who's worth it knows that the day that you wish for, right. That, That you strive for from day one, you know, ad infinitum into the future, right. You wait for the day where somebody enters into that company, right? That can make a decision that you are not involved in that is good. Right? Yeah, that's, that is good. That's, that's gotta right? be true. That is so yeah. like that is so the power move, right? Yeah, there. Yeah. When someone says, I you weren't around, I decided to do X, and you're like, I don't hate that. I like that <laughs> a lot, actually. You know? Right. Like right. so you know, I, I welcome that so much. And I'll tell you, this is why I think so we get um, we get like a crazy number of applications for our design department and like every week, I, I think we get something like 800 a month or something crazy like that. Right. Wow. Which is a lot to like have to parse. Right. But like we hire very, very few designers and we actually have very few divine designers. I think surprisingly few for a company that's very design oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the kind of person that we need really, we're, it's very demanding. Right. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're asking you to be kind of like a manager, right? And a designer, right? And, you know, both UI and UX, like we don't have like you know, wireframe people, right? And UI people. Our product designer, which is kind mm-hmm. of like our, um, what I think is the, the evolving, you know, universal definition of product designer is somebody who um, either doesn't need to like, like just do a wireframe at some point, like they can go right into high fidelity because they're really comfortable there, right? Right. Or, or they, they have no problem taking it all the way from, from sketch to, to ever increasingly sophisticated work product, you know, all the way to, to something. And they're thinking about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Right, they're whole they're whole minded in their approach. Right, um, why did I say all that? All right, so that person and having to be able to manage stuff and have a, having to be able to communicate with engineers is super super rare. It's not necessarily rare to find people who like doing that stuff or want to do it. Or sorry, it's not rare to find people who are capable of doing it. I think it's more rare to find people who are willing or interested in doing it. Right. So anybody who's on this call, right, you know, who's <laughs> listening to this right now. Who likes that kind of stuff? Please, you are way late in calling me because uh, <laughs> that, that, that's really you know that's that's inspiring to me too. Because at our company, we only have two roles: we have uh, product designer and we have uh, PM slash agile coach. And the and the, those two individuals work together on products. But we are trying to train our product designers to get stronger at product management and train our product managers to get stronger at design. That way, we have maximum flexibility to use interesting resources in interesting ways and have people thinking about not only the short-term sprint, but what's the long-term strategy and, and, and growth plan or, or be able to move people around. Uh, that's, that's really cool, Clark. I, I've, I haven't quite uh, heard of anyone that has, you know, a, like a structure just like yours. And I think that's very unique. Could be a terrible idea. That's probably why you've never heard of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it could be this whole thing is just going to blow up on me. It's working for it's you guys, right? Soon. Yeah. So, okay. Let me get on to the next question. Um, I'm very curious about this. Uh, been using Envision for a while now. Like it. Um, there are things that come up over the horizon that are like, we do this thing that Envision does. They're going to be your competitors, I suppose. So how much attention does Envision pay to, um, not pay, <laughs> but how much attention, how much time do you guys spend thinking about your competitors? Is it a big deal when there's a new competitor? Is it a, we're just focused on envision? How do you, like, how do you guys deal with competitors? There's two kinds of competitors, right? <clears throat> and I think for most any product, there's, there's, there's market competitors, right? And then there, so let's call this category, a better word is category competitors, right? Yeah, and then there's um, direct competitors, right? So that's the way I kind of separate them, right? There are people for whom who compete um, for your for the dollars for your customers' dollars, right? But don't offer the same solution, right? If you use Joe's product, right, then you will be committed to that direction, and you won't uh, probably won't buy Envision, right? Because you'll be committed to that direction. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. They're category competitive. They're competing for the same dollars in generally the same category, right? And there's a bunch of examples. I'll, I'll omit any particular names, right? They're not really doing what Envision does. They're solving the problem maybe in a different way, but they are solving the problem to an extent in which it probably would be redundant for somebody to buy both, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's direct competitors, people who you know want to do exactly what Envision does, Right? And maybe they have a different twist, um, whatever. Okay. 
so our attitude is um, their job is to try to beat us, right? Right. Their job is to try to be better than us in every way, right? And if I were them, I would look for my weaknesses, right? Whether it's you know some part of the product that doesn't work very well or some part of the product that maybe is neglected for whatever reason, right? Or some new insight on how some piece of the you know whole puzzle could be done much better, right? And so their job in life should be to, you know, to ambitiously, you know, with blood, guts, steel, and 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 oatmeal, right? Like go after me, right? Mm-hmm. Do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my job, right, is to watch what you're doing and to learn from the ways that you solve these problems, right? You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, right? so you're, you're studying that. That's just... the job of the incumbent, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we watch what you do, <laughs> not speaking to anybody in particular, right? And, uh, you know, and we take full license to be able to, you know, uh, to learn from that also, right? As you learn, as your entire business model is basically learned from ours, yeah. right? That's, and that, and that's, I think that's, I think that's the partnership, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's your job to drive. It's the pigeon's job to jump out of the way. It's <laughs> it's a sign. It's a Seinfeld bit. <laughs> but, and I, I don't, you know, right? Envision is definitely not the first prototyping solution that's that has been available. There's always been a lot of different things, but it was one of the first that does it in the way that you do it online. And yeah, it, and there are people who came before us. Yeah. Who there's probably at least one uh, company that I can think of that did come before us that that works the same way. Right, and they come. I think they were released about the same time, um, but that is uh, be, okay. There, so far, there would be no market need unless there were a series of companies that were creating that market need. You know, it, it, absolutely right. So, uh, I you know I look generally positively towards um, the ecosystem of competitors. Uh, there are a lot of people who you know who uh, I think understand the business at a very surface for a surface level, and uh, I think that's uh, that's okay. Okay. Cool. All right. So next question. Can you describe a misstep that you think Envision may have made to this point? Can you think of one? I can think of so many. Uh, The question is, which ones do I want to admit in public? (laughs) Um, Oh, so I, I think scale, right? I think that we weren't ready at all for the – this is going to sound like one of those self-congratulatory – I think we loved too much and we tried too hard. <laughs> we worked too, too <laughs> diligently. <laughs> no, uh, so we, I think we weren't – infrastructure-wise, I don't think we were ready at all for, um, mm-hmm. for the, the kind of load that we, that we saw over time and the kind of growth. So we went down – I mean anybody who's using Vision consistently has known that we probably have gone down epically um, you know, three times in our history, right? But those three times were like so disruptive, disruptive, and destructive, right? Sure. Uh, to people who use the product, just because it isn't, it, it's kind of like an I'm in, I'm in the product all day kind of product, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that and th- all those times, with the exception of maybe one, um, were just because we just hit some crazy critical point of, of c- overload capacity, and the infrastructure we had set up wasn't like. We didn't start Envision at a time when, like, being totally Amazon cloud, you know, booted up in like three seconds and expand your, you know, totally elastic, right? Hmm. Was f- fashionable. Yeah. Definitely not, right? Yeah. We started Envision like four and a half years ago. That was like a thing that a few people did, but the whole ecosystem around that hadn't evolved, right? And so we started Envision like on one server, right? It's in your house. Uh, I bet. <laughs> I'm sitting on it right now. It's actually it's a server bench. <laughs> um, 
so it was uh it was like on one server for a while um until and then we just kept it was like a virtual server like we could add resources to it but it really was one uh not physical machine but it was one logical machine and we just had it up to the point where we were like at like terabytes and terabytes of data and like the data um storage technology like we just couldn't I forget whatever we had, we had like a NAS or whatever it was, right? That you just couldn't add any more to that, mm-hmm. right? And we had to like start with a different like offshoot. And I don't know. I'm talking outside of my no, uh, no, no, comfort zone here. But technology-wise, we didn't set this up for something that would grow to like you know 600 things like now like 600,000 users, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just uh you know, it also it's not like the kind of user like where it's a website visit, right? Because if you're like you know whatever TechCrunch or something, right? Like there are really super easy ways for you to deal with that kind of load, right? The primary uh, way being caching, right? And like geographical distribution, what do they call that? Uh, CDNs and things like that, right? Right. Because most of your, not most, like all of your load is people reading stuff, right? Like, oh, I'm looking at this page, I'm pulling it down and here's the page and that's it, right? Right. Everything in our app is real time. Like the primary user that's like behind the steering wheel that's causing all of the, the the load on the site is somebody uploading designs, and those designs are being extracted, and those Photoshop files are being like chopped up, and you know there's this huge you know 500 megabyte files that are now sitting over here, and you know and somebody needs to be able to access them instantly, and people are jumping in and commenting and all that stuff, right? So it's a, a ton of read and write, right? Okay. And it's persistent, and it's throughout the day. So if you're in Envision and you're using Envision Sync, for example, or Dropbox, whatever, and you're in Photoshop, like every time you hit save, you're talking to the Envision server. Right. Because that file is uploading and sure. all that stuff. Anyway, sure. Long story short, yeah. it was a beast. It's a beast. It's been a beast. Uh, it's something that we've got our heads straight on in the last uh, year or so, and you know things are a lot better. But it was it was a – It makes a lot of sense. I mean that for that to be you know a problem, I'm, I'm sure it's some – like some, some products are going to way over-prepare and spend way too much time – you know, talk, preparing for like this epic, you know, surge of users. Uh, I think what, what can you've done though? Really? I mean, Oh man. You, well, I'm sure it's something, but right. This is a karmic, you should know this is a karmic punishment because like, when I was working in, in the agency and clients that like, you would just meet and they'd have some cockamamie scheme. Like I want to build a Facebook for cats, but uh, only uh, adult cats, right? like over 50. Right? <laughs> um, like they would have some sort of crazy scheme and, and like they would want to have like 30 minutes of the like 45 minute initial consultation. They would want to talk about how many servers they're going to need. Right? Mm. Like where are we going to host this thing? How much is hosting going to be? And like I would always laugh at them and tell them like I had the same line. You wish you had those problems. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And now I realize that <laughs> I the world is a is a place of justice <laughs> and you should not say things like that. Well, it is a it is a good problem to have, I'd say. And so having a problem like that, I think is some indication of something that a lot of product owners that are trying to get something off the ground would consider successful. Or at least in in a position that is very hard to get to. What would you say is if you can if you can um, if you could if you could uh, make him in in one point basic point I guess could could you tell us why you think um, Envision has been uh, had had the success it has up to this point like what's made um, it successful successful It's hard because you know any anything that you think it is it probably is something else right 
Um, and all the things you do deliberately are usually um, things continue for very different reasons than they begin, right? So people often look at the cause for a phenomenon um, by looking at what happens today, and those are usually totally, totally different uh, generations, right, of, of cause and effect. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know, today I could tell you why I think we're successful today. I think we have an incredible team and I think that uh, the team is, you know, extremely passionate and, you know, the product is always evolving and we know how to take care of our customers and we engage our customers in the right way. And, you know, our marketing is totally set up, you know, and I think a way that's super effective and our CPMs are low and all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I think how it got to the critical mass to begin with, this is one of the reasons why, you know, the competitive question is interesting, right? You sometimes with a certain, with some products, right, you have to be um, first to market, right? Sure. Um, with, with some products, you have to be second to market or third to market, okay, because you have to learn from the previous players in the market, right? Yeah. You have to. You have to let them aerate the ground so that you can plant the right seed in the right place, right? So like a MySpace Facebook example would be probably you know, pretty universal. For sure. Right? And sometimes like the convergence of factors have to be right and the product itself has to be able to ride on those factors and so that you can reach critical mass because once there's critical mass, it becomes kind of like the steamroller. Does that make sense, right? So, for example, um, I think with Envision, uh, the the need, the desire to prototype, right? The literacy around the importance of prototyping, the uh, and the product, the way the product was set up to kind of get more and more people inside of a company on board, right? The speed of growth, I think, was was able to 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 ride that. Um, yeah, evolutionary curve. Does that make sense? I think I, I think I think I hear what you're saying. Honestly, I, you know what I, what I'm hearing from you is that you you had a a great idea of something that what people wanted, but when the challenge came to really ride through making the product survive when when it was wanted, um, that you had a team that was good enough to get through it and get it get it uh, way better way better than I said. I said in a very confusing well, I mean, right, I mean, right right place right time right, which was good. And then, you know, and that kind of it, – it, uh, it multiplies, right? Mm-hmm. So like I remember when in the first early days of Envision, even like after we had raised, um, you know, a little bit of money, like some sort of a seed round, it was like super impressive when we had like a, a you know, a 400 or 500, you know, person sign-up day, yeah. right? Like 500 people sign up for the app. That was like mind-blowing, Right. And now it's like when it's thousands and thousands of people every day, right? It's but you you can't. It's very difficult to go right there, right? We had to. It's all a factor of organic growth, you know, kind of as a as a fairly even slope over time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Yeah. I, so it's, yeah, it's it's like the 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 age and of the product and when it hooked into that original kind of customer base and how that flowered out, mm. right? I think that's what allowed us to be at the scale that we are today. Okay. I mean, to me, it's kind of just become like a household name. Like, you know, you think about it like the earlier adopters, and this is just how I envision it. Like the agencies that were using it got all their employees signed up. Everyone has a delightful experience. Let's rally around using this tool. This makes our life great. Yay. And then you have all the clients using it, and then you multiply that by X many clients a year, and then they remember having a delightful experience using that. So when they decide to do something internally, 
it's they you know it's a known it's it's just like where you go you know yeah. and I think maybe you guys uh, I don't know if I'm completely off but it seems like you guys have done a really good uh, job of achieving that like when someone is looking is thinking about I need to create a pr- prototype and I need contextual commenting and other other things like that Envision is the tool that they've had the most experience doing that with probably yeah through other product companies or other agencies or that's or, been you know. that's been my experience yeah yeah so. Yeah, I would say I would say that makes a lot of sense. And and Clark, I know that's a little bit of a I don't know, um, the kind of question that you get asked <laughs> on I, I want a product that's successful. How do I make a product that's successful? That's not, you know, I'm just kind of wanting to I, I think it's very telling, you know, to hear from, you know, leadership in a product, um, just what their impression has been. And, you know, it's almost always that not only is it the team, but there's this sort of, uh, there's not really a formula, right? It's not, there's not really a handbook on, if you listen to what Clark just said and you have a product idea, you follow those exact steps, your your product will make the exact same, you know, numbers or whatever. So, you know, it's, there is no handbook. There is no sort of thing set forth. I think it's just good to hear uh, a reflection, um, you know, to a lot of people that are that are wondering these types of questions, I think wanting to get their own product to market, wanting to get their own MVP out. I don't think, and, and honestly, the the whole reason I wanted to talk to you was that MVP is is so like huge in um, people that that have this idea that want to bring a product to market. And you know, what about after MVP? You know, um, there's a, there's a whole you know lot of thought that I, that I think um, would be would be good to 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 have a good, a good mentality to have when you're going into building a product not only how you know what what's the next step and so I think it was good to just kind of hear from you on on being on that next step cool <laughs> <laughs> um, well we are actually about out of time um, Clark, if somebody wants to know more about Envision or just Clark Valberg in general, where should they go? What should they Google? Straight, straight up Google. Um, EnvisionApp.com. Okay. Clark at EnvisionApp.com. You just want them to email you? Just, I mean, you could just email me. <laughs> just, I really just want, and I will personally onboard every person that listens to this call. Well, that's awesome. Maybe that's the secret of the success that Clark actually helps things every that single. don't scale. <laughs> I send you, I send you a T-shirt, and then I send you twenty-five emails over the course of the next year. <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was on like some sort of panel um, discussion, and like I figured, like, how am I going to introduce myself to all these people, right? So I just decided, like, hey, I'm Clark from Envision. You might know me from your inbox <laughs> and like, and everyone laughed and they yeah. got it. Yep. yep. <laughs> and, uh, and that's just, uh, you're Clark from our inbox. <laughs> just check your email. That's how you, you can find Clark. <laughs> so okay. Clark, uh, I'm just curious, uh, how big is the envision team right now in total? That's a great question. Oh, the envision team is something like 40 people. Dang. Um, it's a lot of people, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of, um, Mo- mostly sales. engineers mostly, or mostly designers or, no, um, it's spread out pretty good, you know, to, to have a customer base, you know, like at this scale. So you have to have a lot of support people. So we have like a, a bunch of support people. We have, uh, you know, a pretty sizable sales team. We have, you know, a bunch of engineers and, and, you know, a pretty solid, uh, close knit tight core of designers. 
we are hiring um, in almost every department. So if you're good at doing any of those things and you're like as excited about um, life and design as the three of us are, we'd love to have you. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Cool. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think we're about out of time. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll just call it. But thanks very much, Clark's very, very uh, kind of you to give us some of your time today. Um, hey, everybody, uh, please subscribe uh, to our podcast on iTunes if you care about that sort of thing. Rate us. Do that sort of thing. And until next time, we'll uh, catch you all later. Thanks a lot, Clark. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Pingboard, an employee directory that will supercharge your team. Today's best companies use Pingboard to help their growing team continue to feel small. The Pingboard company directory lets your team learn about each other in a way that's fun and engaging and ensures that they'll always have important info about their team wherever they are. With Pingboard, you have one place to organize everything about your team, from private employee data to shared photos, contact info, and fun facts. Now with the Pingboard vacation calendar, your team will always know when someone's out. With a few taps of the Pingboard mobile app, anyone can share that they're working remote, sick, or that they'll be in Belize scuba diving next month. Show your team how much you love them by trying Pingboard out for free at pingboard.com.